Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. The Gospel according to John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which, coming into the world, enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as did receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me, has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So welcome to Core Principles. Today we're going to talk about seven big words. These seven big words are law, truth, love, justice, mercy, grace, and Father. Now, as for the law, in the passage I read from the first chapter of the Gospel of John, he reminded us, for the law was given through Moses. Now, I suppose that you and I might ask, why? And what does that mean for us? When we go all the way back to the creation account from Moses, this is an account that God prompted Moses to record in written words for us all to have as a reference. We observe that God made everything there is. Indeed, John reminds us of that in his gospel, specifying that Jesus was present at creation. Through him all things were made, through him being Jesus, and without him nothing was made that has been made. It's pretty comprehensive. And the pinnacle, or the literal ultimate part of that creation of all things, was humankind. Everything God does is on purpose, and his purposes are perfect and good. So having humans as the ultimate thing he created is purposeful and should be meaningful to us. The reason he did that, based on all of the subsequent things God did as recorded in the scripture, was to have relationships with us humans. 
By the way, if you recall the list of big words, law, truth, love, justice, mercy, grace, and Father, you know that this fact is going to come back to the forefront at the conclusion of this message. Now, given that God desires relationships with us humans, we should know that his perfect will for that to happen is going to be fulfilled. However, it's also true that God is completely holy. He cannot abide unholiness, yet we are unholy. God cannot tolerate sin, yet we commit sins. How is God going to relate to us when we do things he cannot abide and cannot tolerate? The first way he set about to do that after the fall of man was to establish rules that humans must follow and establish a way to atone for the times that we fail to follow those rules. This was the law, which was given through Moses. There were 613 laws in the Mosaic law of the Old Covenant. Ten of those were the ones we call the Ten Commandments. We humans couldn't live up to that perfect standard, and so the Old Covenant also included sacrifices of blood to atone for our sins. We know from the Apostle Paul's letter to Rome, the wages of sin is death. Now, that comes from Romans 6.23. If you know that verse, you also know the rest of that verse says, But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, spoiler alert, that's where we're headed in this episode of the podcast. But it also serves as a great segue into the very next part of this observation about the law, which is that God's first covenant with man wasn't his last. From the beginning, God had planned a perfect way to accomplish his will, including that part of his will which was to have relationships with us. And that new covenant was based on the final, perfect sacrifice which Jesus made to atone for all our sins forever. We have responsibilities in that, of course. Our responsibilities include striving to live within God's perfect will, repenting when we stray, and most importantly, accepting the lordship and the sacrifice of Christ specifically for us individually. So let's look at the next big word, truth. We know that God is perfect. We know that God is holy. We know that he cannot abide sin at all. We know that he gave us the law and that we are supposed to follow it. Now, among the 613 rules in the Mosaic law, Some of those were things for which the only moral component was obedience to God in all things. Examples of those would be the grooming rules and rules about food. Other things, however, specified forbidden actions, which by their very nature were abhorrent to the holiness of God. Now, the former type got changed, but the latter type, of course, never did. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His nature never changes. So all of the things that he forbid in the old covenant that were of that second type, which we call malum and say, as opposed to malum prohibitum, 
never changed. And those are things like don't murder, don't steal, don't commit any of the sexual sins, don't lie, and so on. So as we talk about our relationship with God, and we talk about the law, and even as we talk about the new way to relate to God via the Lordship of Jesus and the salvation he offers us, we need to do all of these things in truth. That's capital T, truth. Truth is not merely important, it's vital. It does no good to agree with things that are false, even if doing so placates the demands other people impose on you. Telling people the absolute, unchanging capital T truth won't always be well-received, but it is always the right thing. In fact, even as the method of relating to God changed with the new covenant, the importance of truth never altered at all. And of course, it couldn't because God is truth. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is also perfect love. God is Love. So the next big word on our list is love, and it is never in conflict with truth. They are equivalent, mathematically equal. Even though truth and love are equal and can never be in actual conflict, our friends in the world respond very differently to truth and love as we may present those things to them. So if we use truth as some sort of club with which to beat people, we won't successfully communicate the very truth we're trying to impart. We must empathize and try to be understanding, even as we refuse to waver from the absolute, unchanging, capital T, truth. We must love everyone. John instructed us in his first letter, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And there's no contradiction there with also telling people the truth that never changes, including the truth about things that God forbids us to do. Now, as we try to balance the way we present truth to people in a recognizable sense of love— it's important we never compromise on truth, and we also don't stray from love. That balance is tricky, but it is so important. Now, our next big word is justice. Romans 6.23, as we quoted earlier, tells us the wages of sin is death. Earlier in Romans 3.23, Paul had advised, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, that's a problem, obviously. We've all sinned, and the wages of sin is death. God is absolutely holy, and God is absolutely just. Consider Thomas Jefferson's lament in 1781, quote, Can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, which is a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are the gift of God, that they are not to be violated, but with his wrath. Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever, unquote. 
Now, as Jefferson was talking about the collective sins of a nation and the consequences of that being the removal of all liberties granted by God, it's slightly different when we talk about individuals, but it is closely related. For the individual, the justice we deserve when we sin is our own death, not just physical death that we will all have, but eternal separation from God, that is, eternity in hell. Justice is understood as getting what we deserve. Now, surely we would prefer not to get what we deserve. So we should be very thankful indeed that God grants us mercy. And that's the next big word, because mercy is not getting what we deserve. A powerful picture of this comes from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 63. Recall that God had already advised his people, vengeance is mine. Now, that didn't mean that he would always pursue vengeance, but it meant that we humans were never supposed to usurp God's singular authority and seek vengeance for ourselves. Now, the first six verses of Isaiah chapter 63, Isaiah recalls what it's like when God exacts his holy vengeance. Isaiah wrote, Who is this who comes from Edom with garments of glowing colors from Basra? This one who is majestic in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength. It is I who speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Why is your apparel red and your garments like the one who treads the winepress? I have trodden the wine trough alone, and from the peoples there was no man with me. I also trod them in my anger, and trampled them in my wrath, and their lifeblood is sprinkled on my garments, and I stained all my raiment. For the day of vengeance was in my heart, and my year of redemption has come. I looked, and there was no one to help, and I was astonished, and there was no one to uphold." So my own arm brought salvation to me, and my wrath upheld me. I trod down the peoples in my anger and made them drunk in my wrath, and I poured out their lifeblood on the earth. Wow. Okay, so Isaiah reminds us that God is truth, and God is holy, and God is a God of justice. And justice isn't a lot of fun, for us sinful creatures who have earned death. So we should be especially thankful that God is also a God of mercy. Isaiah paints that picture in the very next verses following the ones I just read. I shall make mention of the loving kindness of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us, and the great goodness towards the house of Israel, which he has granted them according to his compassion, and according to the abundance of his loving kindness. For he said, Surely they are my people, sons who will not deal falsely. So he became their Savior. In all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his mercy he redeemed them, and he lifted them and carried them all the days of old. Now, what a blessing that is. So I'm sure, like myself, 
You all want some of that loving kindness, some of that great goodness, some of that compassion, some of that salvation, some of that redemption, some of that mercy. And we can all have it through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. God does have mercy on us. We don't have to get the vengeance, the wrath, and the eternal death we deserve. Instead, we can get grace. And that's the next big word. What is grace? We've seen that justice is getting what we deserve. And we've seen that mercy is not getting what we deserve. Grace is so extraordinary. Grace is getting what we do not deserve. Remember the last paragraph of the passage from the Gospel of John chapter 1 that I read at the beginning of this episode. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about Him and cried out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for He existed before me. For of His fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Now, John emphasized that word grace four times in about as many sentences, including this super emphasis, grace upon grace. So I suppose it must be important, and it is. It is an overwhelming blessing to us. Now, as I wrap up this episode, I want to talk about the last word, on our list of seven big words. That word is Father. Let's go back to the Gospel of John, the paragraph in between the creation and the paragraph that we just reviewed about grace. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as did receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God." Now, I hope that we'll all meditate on just how overwhelmingly phenomenal and earth-shattering that is. God gives us the right to be His children. He wants a relationship with us. He created everything in the entire universe to have a personal relationship with you. Now, that relationship is family God is our Father, and God wants to be our Father. I chose to highlight this at the end of this episode because I recently saw a great movie called Show Me the Father. It's like a documentary, but it has plot twists that would make the best filmmakers rethink how clever they imagine they are. Truth is stranger than fiction, and God's ways are so far beyond our ways when we see the results of His works we are left awestruck. So if you get the chance, see Show Me the Father. 
highly encourage you to watch this and I promise you're likely to cry, but it's a terrific, terrific movie. Thank you and have a blessed day. Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July, L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information and please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.